Oh, g'day, mate. 40 here. So I made uh, this decision to fly to Australia for two months in the space of about eight hours. So 24 hours before I got on the plane, wasn't wasn't even considering this. Uh, I just suddenly decided, hey, like there's an opening in my schedule. I'm going to do it. And I thought, oh, I'll go for three weeks. I'll go for a month. Maybe I'll go for two months. Maybe I'll go for three months. I had the opportunity to go for three months. And I figured three-month vacation in Australia, like living with other people in their space, that's too long. And I have found myself missing L.A. much more intensely over the past week. Right? So... For the first six weeks, seven weeks that I was here, it was just, oh man, I've got to move to Australia. This is awesome. And now over the past week, it's been more, oh, I really miss LA. I really miss my own space. And uh, when you when you make this like sudden decision to you know fly somewhere for two months and I, I only take a backpack of stuff, you're always going to forget some things. So what do I most regret not bringing from the States. And number one, my activator, that chiropractic tool, that, that uh, fantastic way of loosening up tight muscles and kind of put, putting you know, everything back in its proper place. So I've been doing so much exercise on this trip that, uh, you know, all sorts of muscles that I didn't realize I had were, were getting sore. And really, really wish I'd brought my activator. I really wished I'd brought like some nasal strips like for my first night here, before I could go to the store and get some, it's like opening up the nasal passages so I could breathe. Like it's awful feeling. It's the middle of summer here, so when you're, when it's hot, 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 and you're in you know unfamiliar space, and you just can't seem to breathe sufficiently. It's like ah, not a good feeling. And I wish I'd brought the the mount for my uh, cam. So I've had to do all sorts of things to, you know, try to mount my cam when I do the, the professional two, three-hour shows. Hmm. So thinking about regrets, because I lost my gimbal on Friday, right? I was at Bondi Beach, and I love Australian mateship, okay? So g'day, Tony. So I love the culture of mateship in Australia, and so I've made a new mate here in Australia, and both times that I was meeting up with him both times I've been between 10 and 15 minutes late which is really unlike me really unlike me I'm a very on-time person so I was having such a great time Friday afternoon doing a live stream from Bondi Beach that I decided to you know, stick stick the gimbal in the sand with the, the phone on it and just you know go for a dip in the ocean the beautiful Bondi Beach you know, diving in I didn't check the time because I was live streaming I can't see the time while I'm live streaming and so by the time I got out of the ocean, it was 1.40 p.m. And I was due to meet this bloke at 2 p.m. About three, two and a half kilometers away. And so I hate being sticky from the ocean. So I jumped in the, the showers and then my gimbal was all filled with sand. So I washed it off. And in the course of like rushing all that together and then rushing off to meet the bloke. What does the gimbal represent? Rushing off to meet the, you know, my new mate. Uh, I leave the gimbal behind. So $70 gimbal. So I'm thinking of going with the DJI Creator Combo. 
like four or five hundred dollars but it's got like four different audio things so so anyway I I felt a lot of regret at losing my gimbal and then another place we stayed uh, uh, earlier uh, last week I you know left behind my iPhone wired headphones earbuds and uh, and a t-shirt so so far like the, the some total worth of everything that I've lost in Australia is less than hundred dollars but like, like it annoys me now I don't have the gimbal to give you that high quality smooth streaming experience for which you you know you really look to 40 to give you that you know really high quality streaming experience and I can't provide that to you because I lost my gimbal so anyway thinking about regrets so I'm back in Australia and uh, you know I'm meeting out with a lot of people from childhood you know, people from various times in my life or relatives siblings whatever and you know many of them have you know far outpaced me in many areas of life and so it's really easy to be consumed with regret and I experienced regret kind of mildly and episodically uh, I basically made a mindset change something like five years ago approximately where somehow it came into my head or maybe I heard it from someone that you know given who I was I could not have acted differently in that situation so I find that really helpful like I don't tend to have a you know, long-running regret because of that mindset that given who I was you know I could not have acted differently and uh, yeah so you know obviously I've you know made a bunch of blunders a lot of mistakes you know gone wrong here now I've made a lot of choices that were not as healthy as they could have been right and in particular when I've heard other people like my, my careless words have you know caused some of my girlfriends to cry and you know I've wounded you know my parents and family and relatives and friends you know with, you know, with careless cruel selfish decisions so I you now I want to have regret for that that where I'm hurting other people, I want to have regret for that because that's good for me. Not, not in the obsessed sense, not you know, that it totally gets me down, not that it removes me from power and energy. In fact, like having an appropriate sense of regret for hurting other people, that, that does give me power because it helps me to realize, oh, you know, I can see what I did wrong and I can go in a new direction and uh, I'm a responsible adult and I want to clean up my side of the street and I want to clean up the messes that I created on my, my neighbor's side of the street. So having an appropriate level of regret for the harm that I've done others. But then with regard to you know, myself and my own choices, my own happiness, my own financial well-being, my own status, you know, the bad decisions I've made, just to understand given who I was at the time, I could not have acted differently. And I don't know that that's true. Right? I'm not going to claim that's true. I just find it incredibly helpful perspective. Like, given who I was, I could not have acted differently at the time. What a beautiful cricket ground here at Coogee. Right? So, you know, we grow up with a combo of uh, genetics and then early life experiences, and you know, they tend to profoundly shape us. So, for example, I think I became particularly attention-hungry because you know, I, I grew up where I was moved around a lot of different families because my mother was, was dying of cancer. 
and my dad was so busy you know, looking after his dying wife, looking after his career as the chair of the religion department at Avondale College and then looking after my older brother and sister like he had so many obligations on his time that you know I lived with a lot of different families in my first four years so that you know probably produced an insecurity and a thirsting for you know attention a craving a craving for attention you know which then manifested in an awful lot of live streaming <laughs> and blogging all right so what I find uh, interesting to, to meditate on is uh, you know, what is the tension underneath the craving, right? So we can crave you know, chocolate ice cream. You know, some people crave to exhibit their genitals to uh, people in public, right? There's a crime, but it's also a craving. And other people you know, crave the distraction of TV sports, and you know, other people just crave the distraction of junk food or, or Netflix. Uh, but you know, what's underneath that craving? You know, what's underneath that craving is some kind of tension. All right, that's you know, there's some part of reality that one is not accepting. Right, that uh, one is not at peace with with oneself and and with others. Like I think. You know, I really like the, the big book perspective that you know, underneath all our suffering and cravings and addictions is that an inability to accept reality. And so when I'm troubled, you know, what, what part of reality is it that I'm refusing to accept? So refusing to accept that I was careless about time on Friday, that I didn't want to be late two times in a row, so then I got distracted and left my gimbal behind at the beach because I'm human and having such a good time live streaming that I forgot the time so I've been uh, moving around I've slept in a lot of different places over the past two months and so it's uh, really easy to lose you know headphones you know lose some clothing uh, so part of the reality that I've been having you know, trouble accepting is that uh, I'm careless and uh, I'm sloppy and I'm human and in the course of packing and unpacking here and there and there I, I'm going to forget some things but luckily I haven't forgotten anything too important about to get stuck into my taxes 2021 so I know I remember once I sold a car I was so worried of the other day. I thought that Mr. Ford's telephone cam got nicked down at Bondi Beach. No, for whatever reason, like I set up my cam, I set up my gimbal, went for, went for a dip in, in Bondi Beach, and then the live stream just cut off. So by the time I got back to my gimbal, you know, the live stream was off. I'm not sure why it cut off. So it's probably time for a new gimbal. And uh, so I could, you know, obsess about the loss of a $70 gimbal and think, no, I need a better gimbal. Like, I need, need to spend the money for that DGI Creator Combo Pack. And I shell out four or $500 so I can provide the high-quality live-streaming experience that uh, you expect. So over on those Coogee Cliffs there, someone fell or jumped. A man in his 20s, Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m., 
my time and uh, fell about uh, 20, 30 meters to his death. And the first time I've heard uh, police sirens and ambulance sirens while I've been in Australia. So this is Coogee Beach. This is where I came on my first morning here in Australia. And I walked along Coogee Beach and I had a revelation that I want to move here. Right? It's like, this is amazing. So definitely a high quality of life available in Australia, in Sydney. Like, this is one of the safest cities in the world. Right? So I just realized how circumcised circumscribed my life has been in in los angeles because you know i don't want to walk around at night uh it's like oh i just don't want to bother you know going to that event at night uh you know don't want to deal with the traffic or you know i don't want to deal with you know threats of crime and dysfunction and so my life has become smaller over the past few years as we've had this surge in crime in LA and then I get to Sydney and I think how much bigger it could be right there's nowhere I need to fear going in in Sydney particularly the central business district and uh, the eastern suburbs which is where I'm at right now and like riding public transport is a you know perfectly lovely experience you you just get to meet your fellow Aussies like interacting with strangers is so much more pleasant for one they speak english and two we share a moral universe right that uh, crime is bad i can leave my iphone on the beach and my gimbal on the beach i can leave you know credit card i could leave a laptop on the beach and it's still going to be here you know when i get back and so you know coming here and standing here makes me realize you know how much smaller my life has become in la because of the threat of crime, because of the dysfunction, because you may not even be able to speak to half of your fellow Los Angeles residents, and you don't share much in common with many of the people that uh, you see in Los Angeles. So in Australia, it seems to be like much more of a shared moral universe. There's this anglo-universal morality right there's very little sense in australia i haven't encountered this thought yet that it's okay to treat out groups differently than you treat your in-group i have not encountered that thinking out loud now obviously people do things that they then don't say out loud but i haven't even encountered that thinking while in america you know it's widespread like many blacks think oh you you get to treat non-blacks differently than your, your fellow black or many jews think that or Many Southern or Eastern Europeans think that. or So I'm living in universal morality here as far as the rhetoric. And rhetoric's important. Like, rhetoric shapes people. Right? The words we say, we create the words, but then the words we say create us. Like, I'm immediately driven to defend something that I say out loud. And my mind will, you know, work six ways to Sunday coming up with, you know, why what I've said is true and right and important so looking out there to the east right the sun sun rises in the east right and then uh, sets in the west so social cohesion means shared moral universe which means 
universalist morality. It's not okay to rip off outsiders. It's not okay to treat outgroups shabbily. It's you know not okay to treat people badly just because they're not in your in-group. That's what I'm. One thing I'm enjoying about Australia. Then you know, kind of realizing what I've missed, living in multicultural Los Angeles with such low social cohesion, such low social trust, and you know, very little sense of a shared moral universe. So in any insular group you get into in Los Angeles, pretty much, there's the ethic of, oh, you know, what you do to outsiders doesn't matter very much. It's what you do with the in-group that really matters. Oh, mate, I want to go for a swim. What a great way to start the day. So also thinking about that craving, right? That craving that comes up for, for food or for porn or for sex or for alcohol or for drugs. You know, what's the, what's the inattention that it's trying to distract you from? I love that idea. I've got about 10 gigs on my on my phone plan. You know, I, I paid $50 for 15 gigs of data. And so I, I'm determined to use it all. I'm going to use all my data before I fly back to California. So I'm just going to keep chatting here. So I've got about 10 gigs of data. And I've only got about four days to use it. But man, people are fit here. Right. Good way to start the day.